Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Women Who Rock Investigate, an affiliate of Women Who Rock with Success. We report case studies in the areas of policy and government, medical malpractices, health pandemics, biotech and fracking, global climate change, prison, and police reform and more. Our topics are covered around the latest breaking news reports in the U.S. and around the globe. We can be heard on Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcast, TuneIn, iTunes, Podbean, Airtime Pro, and Sam Broadcasting Radio Stations, and more. Our hand-picked experts on the show provide credible information from their fields of experience. Join us on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time as we discover the latest in news reports. Now join us live in the studio with our show host, Mrs. Diane Winbush. Women Who Rock With Success complies with the rules and terms according to the Federal Communications Commission podcast guidelines. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are their own, and their appearance on our digital media platforms does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. All guests who embrace our media stations are experts who are licensed in their fields of occupation. All rights reserved. And good morning and welcome to Women Who Rock Investigates. And this is your show host, Ms. Diane Winbush, and we are here in the studio with a very important topic that we have been uh, covering for the last, um, I don't know, several months, ever since the COVID uh, pandemic actually um, progressed in the Uh, Actually, globally, it progressed. And so um, we're back on the podcast today because of the new strain that uh, we are uh, dealing with um, with the COVID-19. So I'm going to introduce the panel. Uh, The first guest we have is Dr. Colbert. He is the Assistant Professor of Clinical Emergency Medicine um, and Director of Health Disparities, and this is in Chicago, Illinois. And then we also have Chief Medical Officer, that is Dr. Amy Baxter. She's also MD. And we have Dr. Uh, Nicole Swiner, and she is a Duke University-educated family physician, and Dr. Leo Nasola, and he's a medical expert and immunotherapy scientist. And so welcome to the show, and good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Okay, and you're welcome. Uh, And so I want to do roll call because I think someone is missing. So I know Dr. Baxter and Dr. Covert is on the line, and so is Dr. Swiner. Is she on the line today? Yes, I'm here. Okay, so Dr. Leo is the one that has not chimed in as of yet. But so um, Dr. Coven has been on the podcast for on numerous occasions. So we want um, Amy to Dr. Baxter be able to um, share with the audience a little bit about her, and we're still going to get Dr. Coven to talk to. But share a little bit about your practice and your profession, and then we'll go to Dr. Swiner, and she can do the same thing, and then we'll go go to Dr. Coven. Sure. Well, this is. Amy Baxter. I'm a pediatric emergency board certified, and my research has been with the NIH initially in vaccine pain relief and vaccine noncompliance. And currently, I was working with the NIH for a new product looking at opioid reduction with low back pain, but I got fascinated by COVID in April. So we have been doing a study 
looking at nasal irrigation to decrease the viral load, to decrease the risk of hospitalization. So I've been immersed in all things COVID for the last eight months while my low back pain trial has been delayed due to the pandemic. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. And thank you so much for being a guest. Dr. Swiner? Yes. Um, my name is Dr. Nicole Swiner, and I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. My day gig is uh, as a co-owner of Durham Family Medicine, which is a general practice here in the uh, the Raleigh-Durham area. And so we see, you know, patients from start to finish and everything in between. Um, we've definitely been impacted both as a practice with having to take care of our patients through this COVID pandemic and as a business as well, having to, you know, adjust to telemedicine and doing things differently to protect ourselves and protect our patients. Um, But then uh, during this pandemic, I've also um, been working with Wake Research, which is a, a place that helps with the trials that are happening, um, particularly with the COVID vaccines. And I've been trying to be a community um, and patient advocate and educator on the importance of the vaccines and what the vaccines mean and how particularly minority patients um, can feel comfortable about what's happening and get involved in the trials if desired. So I've been doing a lot of stuff on social media and media about that and staying healthy throughout this pandemic. Okay, great. And welcome to the show. Okay, Dr. Colbert. Everyone, good morning. Um, it's always great to be here. Thank you once again for the invitation. Coupled with just uh, providing insight with such a really good array of, of medical insight from different different lenses. Uh, my name is Christopher Colbert. Uh, I'm the Assistant Program Director of the Emergency Medicine Residency here in Chicago, Illinois, at the University of Illinois. Um, coupled with that, uh, my uh, interests and passions are with specifically academics and then also with health disparities. So um, tons of work, tons of, uh, of, of effort made toward the community at large uh, to enhance the understanding of, vac- of the vaccine, of things that can be done in reference to COVID and to just keep the community abreast so they can uh, make informed decisions of the information provided by those with medical insight. So again, it's great to be here. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. You're welcome. So we're going to start with you, of course, uh, Dr. Uh, Covert, because um, um, you see the the first hand of the patients. You're in the ER room. You see a lot of traffic in and out day by day, week by week, month by month. And so now we have the new strain. You know, we've been talking about on the show previously in regards to the COVID-19. And so we have the new strain that has, has occurred. And so what does you know, and then I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they it was a news report that stated that even with the new strain that has came out uh, among Americans or the, the global uh, people, um, the vaccine is still prevalent for it. It, it, it is it's still workable and operable for those to be able to still get the vaccine. Uh, from what we heard here in our new in our location that from the news is that it's still operable the vaccine. So where are we at with the strain? People are, you know, that's the purpose of the show is to help people to understand a little bit about it and to be able to ease the public as to not to be in so much fear. I guess I would say. Well, a couple of things is that that viruses change. So. Uh, 
um, one thing I, I attempt to communicate is that viruses replicate by making a copy of a copy. So think of taking a piece of paper and putting it in a copy machine, and then once that copy comes out, you put a nub that same paper back into the copier. So you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, and to place this in and so what happens is there's there's going to be subtle changes you can appreciate in the actually the g- genetic makeup um, or the strands. And so that having viruses change is nothing new. And I, I communicate that as because when you hear that, you're like, oh, this is new, this is different. We should run for the hills. Mm-hmm. We should take our masks with us. And it's just a little bit of insight um, that mm-hmm. that. Viruses change. That that is that is a part of viruses, and specifically this variant. So a variant is a is a modest adjustment to the genetic makeup. It's found to be more, um, not more lethal, but it is more contagious. It's it's the evidence shows that it's it spreads a little bit faster, and there's no data. There's absolutely no evidence that the vaccine that we have prepared will not have an effect on this variant strain. So the question is, what do we do with this new information of this variant strain that is identified to be more contagious than the prior or the current or the most most popular, if you lack of better words, um, form of COVID-19? So again, it just goes back to we do have resources ourselves, and that's, again, putting on a mask, keeping your hands washed, and maintaining distance that will permeate all conversations and what individuals can do in reference to this new information and also have confidence in the fact that the vaccine at this point shows that it will not wave in its effectiveness to decrease the symptoms. So those are two great points to make, one for just understanding and the other one for an optimistic view on what we are as a community doing in reference to this topic and adjusting to this new information. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you. So, uh, Dr. Baxter, uh, you're doing a research in regards on some of these, uh, uh, the, the virus and what have you. So, in your perspective as to what you have come up with, where are we today uh, with the virus? You know, from, from, now, like I said, different locations report different news facts. So the facts that I bring, it may be different from the facts that you all uh, may have because um, they were saying on the news that there were so many deaths that are occurring just constantly. And I'm not for sure if this is from the Christmas and the New Year's activity, but I'm pretty sure it's going to go up some more because of the the, um, the outcry or the chaos, I guess I want to say, that's going on in Washington so from the research that you have been doing on your studies, where are we today with the virus? Sure. Well, um, Dr. Colbert's exactly right. The, the biggest issue with these new strains is not that they're more lethal. In fact, if you have a more lethal version, and it is possible that the South Africa version is more deadly, but if a virus kills the host, then it doesn't spread. So it actually could be bad for the virus but good for us if it makes it spread less. The, the problem with the new variants is that they are more easy to spread. And so what this really means is that we need to get vaccinations done more quickly. So my study actually started because of 
the awareness of health disparities. In Atlanta, 77% of black Americans were hospitalized compared to 42% of white, of white Atlantans. And so I got interested in part because the, the clear difference in how this virus behaves in people of color is, is overwhelming. So what, what we now know about the virus is that it is loosely attached to this ACE2 receptor and it enters almost exclusively through the nose. It's not transmitted by touching things and touching your mouth. It really is transmitted by breathing in through your nose and by replicating or, or breathing in the nasal passages. And then it drips down into the lungs, and so that's why there's this long delay between breathing it in when you actually get symptoms and why loss of sense of smell is one of the first ones, and then why it slowly goes down into the lungs, and for some people it overwhelms their immune system. So one of the things we know now is that the, the different receptors are what um, the, the spike protein that's on the virus when that mutates or changes, that's when we get in trouble. And one of the reasons that there is a greater burden of illness in the communities with the healthcare disparities is because black and Latino patients actually have more receptive ACE2 receptors. They're stiffer. There's something called DNA methylation, but it's just, it basically, it makes it a little bit easier for the virus to hold on and then get into the system. So what our research is, is we're looking at nasal irrigation to just flush out the, the virus, and that we hope we'll, hopefully we'll be able to publish next week. But so far, in people that are over the age of 55, we only have two people who have done saline irrigation that have been hospitalized compared to an average of 12.8% in Georgia. Um, the other part, though, of where we are with the virus is that faster it changes and the changes are inevitable it, they they're going to happen but while we still have vaccines that are effective we need to get as many vaccines in as many arms as possible so that means explaining why we know it's a safe vaccine why we know it's an effective vaccine and making it available not just to people who are in hospitals or people who are uh, have better access, but really focusing on getting this distributed in the communities where the virus has been raging. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. Uh, uh, Dr. Swiner, uh, this question is for you. So since you're on the front line as well as uh, as the rest of the MDs are, uh, but you have your own private practice, and so uh, what does the, the new enhancement of this this, this strain of the virus mean for Americans and people globally, especially especially people of color. I know that uh, when Dr. Uh, Colbert was on the uh, podcast a couple of months ago, we we talked about that as to you know African Americans not uh, taking. I, I'm not for sure if they're taking it serious or they you know they don't believe that the numbers are are actually out there or they're not going to be able to get the they're not going to do an actual physical checkup, taking uh, taking precaution of the vaccine. I'm, I'm not for sure as to why we're not getting it. Yeah. So um, as my colleagues have mentioned, I mean, this is, you know, continuing to be a really serious issue, but thankfully um, help is on the way. Um, however, we still have mm-hmm. to be serious about the three W's. So we still have to 
wash the hands, wear the masks, and wait and, and create physical and social distance as much as possible. Just because we have the vaccine, that doesn't mean that the virus is going away. It means that we still have to continue doing those things. So what it's meant for me and my private practice and in the community is continuing to encourage people to do all those things and to try to continue educating them about what the vaccine is and how um, how important it is to, you know, th- this is a piece of fixing the pandemic, you know, just another piece, along with the three W's and doing all the other preventative things that we're doing. The vaccine is a piece, so we, we have to have it. Um, we have to have some form of this vaccine so that we can get past this pandemic. And so in private practice and in the community and on social media, what I've been trying to do, especially through Wake Research, is to address some of the mistrust and the distrust Um, particularly in the African-American community, the black and brown communities, um, about, you know, the medical field, number one, in general. You know, there's been hurt, and, um, you know, the the system has failed us in a lot of ways when it comes to being open, transparent, and honest, and accessible to a lot of our black and brown patients. So trying to address those issues. Um, As a black female physician, you know, I do – um, I take my job very seriously in trying to be that good example and be that good role model so I can, um, you know, talk to people openly about those things that prevent them from going to the doctor and prevent, prevent them from getting good care. But particularly when it comes to having the vaccine, um, again, I, I, I try to model it. So I try to show people, you know, I'm scheduled to get the Pfizer vaccine on January 21st, so I'm going to, of course, post about it. A lot of my medical colleagues have been posting and sharing their journey and their stories so that people are more comfortable and can come to us and ask those quote-unquote stupid questions that they don't feel comfortable asking um, at times about how safe or how effective the vaccine is. So we just have to continue to have open and honest conversations about it. Absolutely. And in regards to transparency, uh, this is something that uh, some things that are reported on the news, and I know we should listen, and I know some things we should perhaps maybe um, Overlook. Uh, it's a individual here in our location, and I think she took the vaccine and she ended up with cerebral palsy. So that quote unquote, that's mm-hmm. what the news station reported. And so mm-hmm. that's my thing. I'm not. I mean, I'm not for sure if I would. If it's just one person, I don't think that that would be something to to uh, be as a. A, a, a downfall to the to the vaccine. I wouldn't. I mean, that's just my opinion on that. I know that it's good to share a lot of things, but if it's just only affecting one person, and not for sure is is as if that was actually the cause of her having cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, at the age of I think she was like 32. I mean, I'm not for sure if that would be something that I would share. Um, and we're trying to cure. The people, and we're trying to get the, the the disease under control, you know. And so I, I, that's something that I would like for Dr. Cobra to address, and also the hot spots in America. Um, even though even though Dr. Cobra, um, uh, the, the 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 pandemic is out there, but people here in Tennessee, they're still traveling to Florida to the beaches. They're still going. I'm also we're staying in our rooms and things like that. That's not the point. The point is not you're staying in the room. Is is are you practicing social distancing? And I, don't, I don't think. Well, I think it. I, I think there, there's a couple of things. This is first of all, the comments made by Dr. Baxter and Dr. Swinner are, are excellent. Um, and, and if I can 
piggyback on the things I said while answering your question. Number one, mm-hmm. there's something to be said in reference to the whole historical context of conversation. Very often, mm-hmm. um, I find that, um, specifically myself, uh, that, well, Dr. Colbert, what's wrong with <laughs> what's wrong with African American and brown patients, uh, or black and brown patients that they don't want the vaccine, and that 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 any apprehension is just coming out of nowhere. And, and my comment is, it's kind of like talking about the history, discussing the history of music and just not bringing up Michael Jackson. Like everyone knows who Michael Jackson is. It's, it's not the guy in the background. There's, there's a, there, is, there is historical context to decisions that are made by every community. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that is something that I'm sure that every physician that is, that is on this panel right now can attest to is that we have conversation where I have conversation with patients and just black and brown patients that, that make the comment, well, I don't feel comfortable with this because of uh, Tuskegee, because of their, their of, of lack of resources. And so there's apprehension. And so the conversation is, I get that. And that doesn't come from a bad, that doesn't come from a place of, of trivia that comes from an honest place. However, in the context of what we're discussing, let's talk about this and why it's benefit for you that for, for every one Caucasian patient that dies from uh, complications of COVID, that's three for African-Americans. And let's, let's, let's talk about these hard numbers and what we can do to mitigate these numbers. And also, Dr. Baxter made a great point. I, I'm not going to jump into the weeds, but I love the fact that you talked about ACE inhibitors and receptors. And when we discuss that on a medical term, well, with medical residents or students, that makes sense. However, that needs to translate to our learners and your audience. If anyone is listening to this conversation and you're on medication for your high blood pressure and ends in a pril, P-R-I-L, those are pril medications that have to do with ACE inhibitors. It goes, in, it goes directly with Dr. Baxter was discussing and, and also emphasizes the importance of how this is relevant to you. So when I deliver that information to patients, they say, are you on high blood pressure medication? I sure am. Are any of them, does it end in pril? enalapril, anything like that. I sure do. Well, let's talk about this. And then we can bring that into how it relates to those receptors relate to COVID. And that's a better delivery. And to me, that provides confidence in in patients so they can make more informed decisions. I, I'm one of those doctors that believe it's, it's your role as a physician to provide insight so that people make informed decisions, not for me to make decisions for you or just to talk over you because I went to school and have a little bit of understanding on medicine. Our role is to provide insight so that you can make clear decisions or better mm-hmm. decisions for your health. So the questions are, well, what's the hot spot? I got tons of those questions. Dr. Colbert, what's the hot spot? Because I want to go someplace with my family for Christmas, so we're not going to go to Florida. So I would say, well, that doesn't make it better. <laughs> I don't want you on a plane. Right. Don't get on a plane. Yeah. Well, so I've been doing the research, Dr. Colbert. I'm not going to go to Texas or California like we usually do because the numbers are high. But I looked, and they're very low in North Dakota. Yeah, but you're leaving Chicago to go to North Dakota. So what are you doing to people in North Dakota? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm here in Chicago. <laughs> and and um, so I'm here in Chicago, 
And I love Chicago. <laughs> but right now, I, my humble suggestion for everyone is to keep these numbers, and we want to decrease the spread as much as possible. So, sure, we can go on a map and say it's really bad in California. It's really bad in X, Y, and Z state. It was really bad in March of 2020 in New York and Chicago. But now we're at a place, we're in 2021, honestly having the same discussion we did a year ago. So our delivery needs to be different, and what can we collectively do to make a dif- difference for everybody moving forward? We're at a brand-new year. We hopefully, we have a new set of eyes governing us that will implement policy so that we can do something different as well. I don't want to take everyone else's time, but hopefully I answered that question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. I, I want to I add in, because Go ahead. That, Dr. Colbert, your, your, your point about the – the issues with with Tuskegee, with Henrietta Lacks, with Sims, you know, even at the beginning of COVID, there were people that were saying, well, let's test the vaccine out in Africa. I mean, these are the kind of comments that are made that make it impossible for black and brown people to look at medicine delivery without being skeptical and wanting to make sure they can protect themselves and to make sure that it's safe. But, but with that said, um, I, I don't want to let this concept that someone got terrible palsy from the vaccine, go unchallenged. Because, in fact, the vaccine cannot cause terrible palsy. It cannot cause you to get downs at an old age. Um, what, what has happened, and the thing is with any kind of medicine, you have people that are going to have a heart attack anyway. You're going to have people that will have issues anyway. So that's why we do randomized trials. That's why we test it is because we need to know if you have 30,000 people who don't get the vaccine and 30,000 people who do, is there a difference in these really rare things? So it turns out that Bell's palsy, uh, which is when the face starts drooping, or that um, getting weak, um, which is sometimes called Guillain-Barre, but it's a weakness, that, that those things are, they happen in the general population and they're no more likely with the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccines. So, so it's really important not to give oxygen to these things that get on social media that really don't have any basis in science. This is why it's important to be in clinical trials because that's the only way we can know for sure that we're not going to see these rare things. The same time I was interviewed, had the the honor to be interviewed on blackdoctor.org about the the study I was doing and about vaccines and, and the anger and the, the volume of people saying, no way am I going to get a vaccine, no way you're going to test it on me, um, that it's real. And, it's, and it really is important mm-hmm. to not give these conspiracy theories about danger from the vaccines any oxygen. Everybody's immune system works the same way. And so it doesn't matter what your color is and it doesn't matter. Um, the vaccine's still going to work. What does matter is that that things like uh, high blood pressure and things like race and things like um, difficult exposure to to tragedy and exposure to poverty, those things actually make the receptor stickier for the virus. So that's why we've got to really address these things. And and just as Dr. Colbert said, you know, if you if you're on Medicine for hypertension, it's now been proven. You can stay on that medicine. It doesn't make you any more likely to get COVID. So those are the things we really need to emphasize, but, but not talk about things that are really disproven that, that would make someone hesitate to get covered. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, certain you have, as, as I stated before, you have certain demographics that report certain things. And so that doesn't mean that the, 
that the facts are are true, um, you know. But the but the individual was on television. But the individual that they showed, they was on television on the news, not on a national news, but it was on a local news station. So I'm not for sure as to why that was was aired. I mean, it's important, but I'm not for sure as to why that was aired and brought to the light. That would just put people into more fear, which is going to bring me to this next question for Dr. Swiner, and this is in regards to um, some of the um, some of the concerns of the black. Um, the African American communities, perhaps maybe not in your state, but in several areas. And was there enough time for testing before the vaccine became available to the nation? And I think that's some of the issues as to why some of our people of color are not going, <clears throat> are not believing the numbers. They're still not believing it. You know, I, I go in, and before I come on these podcasts, I make sure that I go in and get information and views from articles as well as from people personally. So that's some of their fear, we as people of color, is there was they feel that it was not enough time for testing uh, for the vaccine. Right. And, I, you know, I want to comment also on what you mentioned about the, you know, the bad things that are – the bad things seem to always get reported, right? Very, very, mm-hmm. um, it's very rare that we'll hear the good stuff. I mean, my husband used to be a TV anchor, and he said, you know, the, the big news story is all about when the plane crashes, not when it lands safely. Um, so in the media mm-hmm. and in social media, unfortunately, you are going to be more likely to see more negative things being said, being mm-hmm. re- reported, and being shown. Um, and so that's why I love that, um, particularly my um, – my medical colleagues are showing themselves having good uh, responses, good outcomes, showing themselves getting the shot, posting about it, talking about it, uh, radio shows like this. I think having mm-hmm. more positive um, outlooks on what can happen and what's going to happen with the vaccine, um, if we all do what we're supposed to do, is, is very important. I'll also say, mm-hmm. you know, for, for folks listening, don't rely on just the media to get your news on Mm -hmm. what's happening in the medical and the science world, go actually talk to your primary care, talk to your providers. Um, And, you know, you can look up research and try to read and understand on your own, but having an open and honest conversation with your trusted um, provider really makes the difference. So go and have, I have, you know, every day now in clinic, not only am I talking about, well, how's your blood pressure? How's, you know, did you get your pap and your mammogram? But every, clearly every conversation ends with, so by the way, let's talk about this vaccine, right? And I love that. I love that my patients will come to us and say, all right, let's talk about it. How do you feel about it? You know, Dr. Swiner, are you going to get the shot? How do you feel about it? Are you going to give it to your family? And those are very important conversations to have. Um, so please talk to your doctors. Talk to your providers about that one-on-one. Don't rely on the news. Secondly, um, I definitely will get the question about are you worried or are you concerned that things happen too quickly? And the way that I have to kind of talk about it uh, to my patients in the community is, you know, there are steps, there are phases, there's a, an actual protocol that the FDA has to follow for any of these medicines or vaccines to come out to the general public, um, and none of, those skip, none of those steps were skipped, none of them. It seemed fast, but that's because we have the resources and the money and the people to actually stop, what, stop the other stuff that we were doing, and then everybody mm-hmm. focus on the vaccine so we can get these vaccines out. It was an emergency. But that doesn't mean that any of the steps were skipped. 
Um, we still had to go through all the phases and all the protocols and the folks in research, um, like Dr. Baxter, you know, if you're involved in research, there, you know, everything has to be approved and the, the steps have to be followed. Mm-hmm. So nothing was skipped. We all, they still had to go through the same protocol, but I think we just had more resources, more people's more, more, more people and more eyes available because this is a global pandemic. I mean, you know, and people and folks in my generation, we, we've never lived through something like this. So we were ready. I think we were more ready. We had more, uh, more, more folks and more hands on deck to focus to get this thing done um, a little bit faster than maybe you know we would normally. But that doesn't mean that anything was was overlooked or or, um, or skipped. So, you know, people have to decide okay. on how comfortable they are with that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So this question is going to go back to Dr. Covert, and so um, on some recent media, you know, clips that, you know, we share Instagram page together too. And so um, how important do you think it is for, you know, physicians? That's the reason why I have you all here, so they can hear it from the physician's mouth. How important is it for the physician to show themselves that, look, i got the vaccine too, because that will be another positive um, uh, push to cause um, all of us black and white and Hispanic or whatever, Czechoslovakia, wherever you're from, to be able to go out and get the vaccine. Because that kind of, that's the reason why I pushed like when I saw it and when I saw them giving you that shot in the arm, I said, ding, there it goes right there. If we get out (laughs) on the front and let the people see that, look, just like if, you know, uh, a mystery show or something like that. I love Columbo. And so when I watch Columbo and if the, if the, if the person is doing the wrong thing, if he don't drink, if he put something in somebody else's drink and he don't drink it, that means don't drink this. And, you know, that, that should be the first thing, number one. Don't drink it if you don't see he the one fixed it. And if you don't see him putting it to the cup to his mouth, don't drink it. But I saw you where they took the needle and poked it in your arm. I think that states a big statement right there. So I want you to share that with the audience a little bit. <laughs> so that was a big thing uh, for the University of Illinois, and, and, and it, they and, and, and it was done specifically. Um, they uh, they designed even before I received the vaccine early in December. The first dose was it not early December? That's egregious, but um, I can't remember when specifically, because my second dose was the January the 8th, and it promotes confidence, and that's the bottom line. Watching your physicians and watching staff receive the vaccine promotes confidence, so it was like a big thing. Like They made sure that I was on the news, that everything was promoted, just so we could promote confidence, just because again, you can't dismiss the the historical context or just any questioning or apprehension of your patients that's why we're here so the best way to say hey take the vaccine is to say hey dr colbert i saw you on the news you took that vaccine how do you still feel <laughs> you know and so what what are the side effects uh, like so in, in literally so in in what's humbling is that I, I always say the same thing hey look I understand there's apprehension and we can engage in conversation, but the side effects of the vaccine are significantly greater than the side effects of the virus. I've seen patients who have side effects of COVID-19, and we intubate those patients. We admit those patients. I took a a Tylenol, took a Motrin for the discomfort from the injection site, um, and I feel better that I'm making a step in a better direction for the community in general. 
for the field of medicine for um, mitigating these symptoms and I'm still wearing a mask. That's another thing too. Just because you get the vaccine doesn't mean I walk around. I'm, I'm on a flight going to Florida now saying, you got to do what I did. You can jump in the lake and jump in the ocean. Um, you, still have to, you still have to be safe. And I do. I think just this, this actual panel discussion promotes confidence because you have three different physicians from three different walks of academics, three different walks of clinical setting stating the same thing. There is, this promotes confidence, health, and allows and gives an opportunity for, for the audience to gain confidence in moving forward in medicine. Okay, okay, great, great. So did you want to comment on that, Dr. Swiner? Have you um, um, did a physical open um, 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 uh, portrait of your patients and your followers and your, your constituents seeing you get the shot yourself? Yeah, I'm going to, absolutely. So next week um, I'm definitely going to show uh, that, I'm, you know, hopefully won't pass out and won't, you know, grow a third leg, and you know, I'm gonna, show, I'm gonna show that I'm okay, um, and that we can do this together, and that, you know, I've also been sharing. I've been asking my my other friends and colleagues, hey, who's gotten the shot? How do you feel? And so there's a whole listing of of folks that have already gotten the shot and have lived and to tell the story and are doing well. So people want to see that. People like to see that, and we need more of it. So yeah, January 21st. So I may even go live. We'll see. Maybe like Instagram. Live or something. <laughs> Great, <laughs> great. So but, this this question is for Doctor. Uh, for did you want to elaborate on that, Doctor Baxter? Go ahead if you wanted to. Yeah, I've, I've got the two points of view on it. Totally agree. What well, one thing that's interesting is since I also study um, vaccine refusal and vaccine reluctance, it really helps when physicians start the conversation with their patients, saying, "So you're going to get the vaccine. It's going to." It's going to protect you. Do you want to talk about it or have any questions? Rather than, than acting like it's something optional, you know, when we, we show that we really believe in this, it, it increases the uptake of vaccines. So when you say, this is a vaccine you need, do you have any questions, you're much more likely to have a patient interested in taking it than you say, do you want to talk about the vaccine? Um, so, so really, you know, showing that we believe in it, but also with our words saying, yeah, we believe in it. I am I'm a little uh, guilty because I am not clinically practicing and I am white and I am 51 and my hospital gave me a vaccine and I used the conflict of interest device that I study which is buzzy to make it not hurt the next day it's a it vibrates the muscles so that it doesn't cause the soreness I didn't feel anything bad the next day it was great but I don't feel like I should have been offered that vaccine. I really feel like we ought to be focusing on getting this to black and brown America that are suffering more and that, mm-hmm. that we need to have done a better job in prioritizing getting people in the line earlier um, at, at centers where, where you're high risk. So dialysis centers, places where people have kidney disease, that's, those are the people who are high risk from COVID. Um, people who are in living environments where they've got multiple generations. Those are really the people I would I would love to have had access before me. So I didn't put a picture of myself getting the vaccine up because I knew that they'd already thawed them. I knew they were going to go bad if I and others didn't show up and get them. But I I don't feel like I should have been able to have access to it myself. 
Okay, okay, okay. Well, um, and and I think we had talked about that on the previous discussion um, um, that we had a few weeks ago in regards to that who gets it first and why did it go to, I think, overseas first before it actually came to the United States through Pfizer, if if I'm not mistaken. I think we discussed that before. And so, well, that's good. You want to uh, well, kind of it was approved in the UK. They, Yeah, it was approved in the U.K. It wasn't that they sent it first. It was just that they approved their distribution faster than we approved it. So, um, oh, you know, it's just okay. being cautious. Okay, okay, great. So the next question, this is going to be for Dr. Colbert, uh, since he's right there with the patients in the hospitals. Uh, you know, we have heard news reports, quote-unquote, I just that's where I get my facts from, from the articles, of the capacity of, of, of the hospitals, how they're continuing, continuing to fill up with patients. Will we see an overflow with that where we may run out of room? It's it's my hope that, and I, I got a couple of buddies in California. Um, it's it's my hope that other states are not in the same place that California is. And there are a lot of variable factors that deal with this. Um, it, at this point, at this point, from my lens, um, I don't foresee. Um, where I am in, in my immediate area. But if you would have told me California would have been a place where they're asking people to make different decisions on where their EMS are taking patients, if they're taking them to the emergency room, I would have said no way. That, that, that would never exist. Um, at, at this point, I think that there's a lot of conversations such that a lot of hospitals have now had the conversation of what do they do to prepare if, in fact, it seems as if capacity is to the point where we have to redistribute ambulance runs or tell people that are in the lobby, this wait is going to be eight hours regardless of why you're here. Um, I, I, it's, it's due to things such as um, really tough hospitals, really tough places, that now there's conversation in in Illinois, in Vermont, in South Dakota, in in New York, hey, do you see what is happening to other states? What do we do? Well, how do we prepare? Um, I don't have a, a line I can draw in the sand and say this will never happen. There are many things when it comes to COVID that I that I honestly would have said I don't see that ever happening that bad. I, I would I would have if you would have asked okay. me in 2019 would I be alive during a pandemic? I would say probably not. Okay. <laughs> I would have probably okay. said eh, probably not. But now I'm here. We're making different decisions. At at this point, I don't see that extending as far as it could have. I, I do believe that policy has a lot to do with medicine, and I think it's easy for the three of us on the panel to make comment and reference to to a lot of aspects, but there is a policy in governing and infrastructure, excuse me, infrastructure, which is extremely important. And um, I think that, again, with a new set of eyes that we have in 2021, that Hopefully, policy will change a little bit, in that um, there, at the very minimum, a a greater enhanced listening, and the response okay. toward, you know, as Dr. Baxter communicated, um, those at-risk populations of generations living in one house, dialysis patients, those patients. My wife is a rheumatologist, so um, those individuals that have sarcoid, lupus. Um, 
sickle cell patients as well. Um, those are specific to specific um, um, races of you have higher incidence in African American patients and, and brown patients, brown and brown patients. So, to answer your question, I at this point I don't I don't anticipate the extent of hospitals having to redirect um, ambulances to be an overwhelming concern because I think there's conversation and preparation for those instances. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 great, fair enough. Okay, so this question is for Dr. Baxter uh, in regards to uh, your research. It says, so this is an article from CNBC, okay? So that's where, this is where this is quoted from, and the author and the publisher of this one or the editor is Dr. Dan Jones. He says, Ohio researchers said Wednesday that they have discovered two new variants of the coronavirus, one that one of which has become the dominant strain in Columbus, Ohio. So the new strain prevalent in the city appears to spread more easily. So we know, uh, Dr. Baxter, that it's a a respiratory issue or a breathable issue. So when an individual goes out to fast food or what have you, how safe are they, even if the driver has on the mask and also the person that is in the drive-through window has on the mask? Is this strain... Um, that serious where we have to take precautions, uh, you know, in fast food restaurants when we go out to, I'm not going out to movies, but I will drive up to McDonald's. But I'm just, I'm just, I just wanted to uh, bring that point out as to what he said. Said it's, it's spreading more easily. So what's the difference? And I, I think someone did touch on it before, but touch on it again. What's what's the difference between the, the first coronavirus and the new spring that we have as to how we're receiving it? It's contagious so rapidly, the way that we're spreading so rapidly. Sure. Well, I think the easiest way to think about safety is think about um, what it looks like when you put milk in coffee or think about what cigarette smoke looks like in the air. If you've got a thick band of of the milk or a thick band of that smoke and you breathe it in, you're getting in a really concentrated dose of the virus. So this new stickier virus that spreads more easily, um, the the same characteristics that protect you from that are the ones that we've been using to protect ourselves from COVID from the beginning, which is try to keep the airflow so that it immediately disperses that that stream of virus, like like smoke blowing away or like if you stir your coffee and the milk gets dispersed. Because if you have a small amount of the virus, your immune system can take care of it. But if you have a, a really intense dose, you can't. So that's why you want to wear a mask. It, it, the places where mask wearing has gone up, the number of people with asymptomatic cases has also gone up because they're not getting enough virus in to make them sick. So drive-through window, both people wearing masks, that's that's actually, I'm comfortable with that because you've got the air blowing in between. You're not going to get a full push of that. Likewise, um, people who are in the, they're talking about a lot of spread after the protests, well, it, they're outside. So if the people who are in the protests are not wearing masks, um, there were a lot of there's a lot of spread after the protests that um, not the protests but the rallies that that were held with no masks. But actually, Black Lives Matter protests there were very few cases of spread because those people were wearing masks and it was outside. 
you can go outside and walk and not be at risk. So I think that this just emphasizes what we've had before, which is wear the mask and don't be in an enclosed space for even 15 minutes. Make sure you've got a window open, you've got a door open. If you're going to be in an Uber or a Lyft, roll the window down and keep your mask on. Okay. 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 So Dr. Swiner, so now we want to talk about the types of masks. So this is a report from the New York Times. I'm telling you, I deal with articles and things, and if it's not factual, (laughs) so be it. (laughs) So it says one mask is good, would two be better? So now they got this type of mask. I don't know how much it costs, but I'm pretty sure it's expensive, where where it got a little hole in it and it got some lines in it where you can breathe out and it's supposed to be able to, uh, I don't know, either cause the rest of cause your breathing to, to, to make you more safe and things. I don't know. I'm, and so this is this is also can cause individuals to become confusing because the first thing they, they feel, I already got to come to Dr. Chris. I already got to come to Dr. Baxter. I already got to come to Dr. Swiner. Now, after I pay them, I got to go in here by these masks. And sometimes people just are do, you know, we can become delusional as to what everybody is advertising, what everybody is marketing. So it's too it's too mask better <laughs> It depends on what kind of mask you have. Um, so, I mean, to be honest with you, I tend to discourage most folks from wearing any type of cloth, to be honest with you. I mean, I know people are at home making their own masks and fancying their scarves into different things, but um, it really needs to be thick enough to be able to catch particles before it enters your nose. As Dr. Baxter mentioned, we, we are getting this thing through our nose. Um, and you also, by the way, let's remind people, please wear the mask over your nose. Like, if you're not covering your nose, you're not doing it right. Like, <laughs> you just please cover your nose. Like, that annoys me to no end. But um, I, I, generally, I generally discourage people from using any type of cloth. I say, go, it, look, this is a new normal. It is what it is. Buy fancy surgical masks if you can get them. If you can get your hands on some N95s without, you know, uh, you know, and definitely don't overwhelm the system and, and stock up on all the N95s because our essential workers need those. But if you can get your hands on um, a couple of those, those are the best ones to use. I even had to had to check myself because I think someone had donated some masks that had a certain type of filter or opening, even though it looked like a fancy surgical mask. It had an opening to it, and I had to, to change that or put a surgical mask on top of it because, you know, I'm I'm very leery about any type of opening. So any of these, I've seen these masks now that you can drink, you know, your drink with a straw, and it has a little opening for a straw. No, just <laughs> just avoid any type of hole um, or, or um, opening in in the in the mask, and just stick with a regular surgical mask. Or if you're going to wear, if the only thing you have is a scarf or something, a cloth mask, you can't find any of those other types of masks anywhere because they're sold out or whatever, at least buy. you can buy mm-hmm. filters that will protect, you know, that you put the filter on top of your nose and mouth and then you can tie the scarf around it. But, um, at the, you know, the ideal is to have a surgical mask, which you can find readily online, um, or if you can get your hands on a couple of N95s, um, those are the most ideal. But, again, we want to try to reserve the majority of those for our essential workers and people working in hospitals and with patients one-on-one. Um, so don't overwhelm the system. Don't buy them all up. And, and I'll add okay, to that. Great. You know, you can, use a, you can use a Swiffer as a filter. 
So really? the, the re- yeah, the research on cloth masks, um, if you got to go cloth, it's two-ply, and bandanas mm-hmm. and those little cow things don't work. But mm-hmm. the two-ply masks with a cotton poly blend, and actually the best ones were made out of uh, uh, hypoallergenic um, pillowcases because they've got really, mm. really tight bonds between it. But um, even if you're getting a cloth mask over the counter that's got, that's, that's got two you know, an inner and an outer layer, um, you can cut a little slit and, yeah, cut a little piece of Swiffer and, uh, and put that in mm. as a filter so you end up with a, a, a three-ply. I, I got okay. in so much trouble at the very beginning of COVID because I did a video um, making a mask out of a bra because I was saying if you can't get an N95, I got here. Here's here's two masks you got. Now you can't be past pretty much a C cup, but uh, but I started really researching. I got a bunch of crap about it, and so I started researching. And I've been very interested in masks because I wanted to prove that I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I was embarrassing maybe, but I was not uh, medically wrong. So I've, uh-huh. I've been staying up on this mask thing. But, yeah, you're right. If you can't get a surgical mask, you can uh, at least try to, to optimize with putting in a filter. The bra okay, thing, we're probably okay. past that. Keep your bras. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, okay, and, so and, the, again, this kind of goes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dr. Chris. No, go ahead. No, I, I, I just feel that, that, that this is what makes a difference. Like this conversation makes a difference to patients. This conversation makes a difference to the audience mm-hmm. because I learned something, the audience learned something, and the confidence goes up and compliance goes up. People are more likely mm-hmm. to adhere to recommendations if they trust what is said and if the delivery of conversation is relatable. And this entire conversation, just very insightful conversation from the other physicians on the panel, it makes a difference. And I, I it, it's 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 humbling when you when you pull a shift. The the questions that you ask, honestly, are the exact same questions I get every day. The exact same questions every shift. And whether it's I was on CNN or I've had I've had them all from I was on CNN to SweetTea.com, which I had no idea was even a thing. Um, um, to <laughs> so, I mean, everyone takes medical advice from every place they can find a resource or from a resource mm-hmm. they feel comfortable with. And hopefully this conversation, your, your, um, this podcast is, is a great resource for quality information for people to walk away with better decision-making capacity. And so this is mm-hmm. awesome. Even the, even the inside mm-hmm. about the bra, I didn't know about that, but I'll do more research. <laughs> I, I did not know that. So, or perhaps maybe we like, like, you know, be, like she, be wearing ties. Yes. When, when, I, when I have patients say, well, I was on SweetTea.com. I'm like, SweetTea.com? We're about to do this right now about sweet tea? That's fine. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk about it so that we have a better understanding. And then I've got to find out what SweetTea.com is. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel that the the where the where the pandemic and not this is not saying anything against the Hispanics and the and the and the whites, but I feel that once uh, since it's such a high percentage of people of color as to where the COVID is, when they see the people of color that are in positions such as Dr. Swiner, Dr. Uh, Colbert, and 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 even Dr. 
Baxter, they will be more reluctant to come out. Okay, if he trusted, if she trusted, if they trusted, then we can be able to trust it. People have a lot of fear because the news, they do, they report a lot of negative things because I'm like, wait a minute, I thought cerebral palsy was when I was kind of, you know, I was kind of weighing that out a little bit. I'm like, I thought cerebral palsy is something that you were born with. How does the vaccine? And so we come up with all types of dictations as to why trying to prevent people from from taking it. I'm like, wait a minute, you're the news station. You don't want to be like, you know what's going on now with the president saying he cited the riot and stuff. You don't want to be the one that's that's citing this, saying that this vaccine caused a a 32-year-old woman to be able to have cerebral palsy. Don't put stuff out there like that and cause the Mm -hmm. community to withdraw from things that they know they must do, point blank. Well, it's also... It's, it's something that, that it's, it, not everyone is familiar with the language. It doesn't mean that you're not informed. You're just not familiar with the language. And it's something I communicate okay. with my residents and medical students. When you practice medicine, when you communicate with patients, just remember the language is not as familiar. As physicians, when you take your car to a mechanic mm. and say, there's something wrong with my car, and when I turn the car, it goes click, 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 and the mechanic looks at you and says, you mean your alternator? Well, possibly, but I don't work on cars. I just know it goes click, 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 and that makes sense to you to say right. click, click, click. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So when a patient says, mm-hmm. I was on whatever.com, or I feel this way, or I don't know that, well, they say they got cerebral palsy, or the lady, the nurse, or the, I, I got tons of that. The nurse, the nurse with the face that had the stroke, she didn't have a stroke. It's called <laughs> Bell's palsy. Let's talk about that. But, but, but that's fair. That's fair. You have to acknowledge that. You can't dismiss that and then expect people to adhere to your recommendations. It's just not going to work okay, like that. Absolutely. You have to yeah, you have to have a conversation. And I always tell residents, think of the next time your car goes click, 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 and that makes sense to you, remember your patients are asking that exact same thing. So mm-hmm. make the conversation relatable so you can affect change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like absolutely. Dr. Swiner so said, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like Dr. Swiner said, you know, talk, talk, to doc, talk to your doctor because the things that, that, that people want to put on the news are the bad news and the things that are alarming and the things that are going to get ratings. So if you want entertainment, you can go to the news. Um, but if you want to get real facts, go to your doctor, and they're the ones who really are keep like we are. We're all keeping up with the mm-hmm. medical research, and we're not watching mm-hmm. – the the daytime television shows to get our news. We're looking at research, and so so your doctor, your family doctor, is the place where you can really get the most up to date information. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is going to be the last question for each one of you. Each one of you can be able to elaborate on this question, um, and this is the one of the primary questions. I'm, I'm assuming that all Americans are looking for the answer to is to when will we see a decrease in the spreading of the virus. I know that people are still traveling. I know that people are still going to be protesting. I'm pretty sure they're going to be protesting on the 21st. It's probably going to be chaotic, you know, when they when the governments of power uh, uh, swap hands uh, and what have you in office. But at the same time, the people are looking for rest. They're looking for peace, and they want to be able to go back to their ordinary lives, even though we know we're not genies or what have you, but this is just something that each one of you can be able to share with the audience as to when do you think in your, in your terms when we'll see a decrease 
in this pandemic and the spreading of, of, of the virus to state to state, town to town, country to country. Okay, and we'll start with Dr. Swiner. She can go first. Yeah, um, if everybody would just sit down. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to tell people. Like, can y'all just, everybody sit down. Everybody sit. Everybody's on punishment and just sit. You can't go anywhere. Sit down. If we would just really, truly, truly take the quarantine seriously. Like in the very beginning, you know, in March of last year, April of last year, when different states were really, truly being um, – intentional about telling their their folks that, you know, okay, this is, we're on lockdown, everyone sit down, hunker down and do what you need to do. We did see numbers go down, right? It was when the summer started popping, it was when all the holidays started happening, it was when you wanted to go see grandma, you hadn't seen her in three months or whatever. That's when the numbers started to increase and people became fatigued um, from having to follow all these rules. So if we can just do that again, and three W's, and get the vaccine. I do have optimism. I do see the light at the end of the tunnel that, you know, potentially by the end of this year, um, fourth quarter, um, we can see a little bit of those numbers dwindling if people just follow the rules and do what they're supposed to do. I mean, we really, we just have to, we have to listen. We have to follow the rules. So I am optimistic, but I think it's going to, it's still going to take us a couple of quarters to get there, but the vaccine definitely, um, it makes me happy to see that that's here. Okay, Dr. Amy. All right, well, I am a pediatrician and an optimist, so I totally agree with Dr. Swiner that we just need to be in timeout. But mm-hmm. as an optimist and, and looking at the research, so so where we need to be for herd immunity um, is someplace but around 70% of the population needs to be immune. So first of all, we know that while kids get it, they don't get it as much and they don't spread it as much. So I'm going to give us uh, 60 million uh, kids who are going to be less likely. We're going to have, by end of March, we're going to have 60 million adults who have already caught the virus, and their immunity is not perfect, but it's at least about 50%. So now we're up to 120 million. And we're going to have um, 100 million doses, at least the first dose in people's arms. So now we're up to 220 million. So we have 330 million in this country and we get to 220 million, that's 66%. That's really, really close. And the other thing is that the the virus is stickier when it's dry and when it's cold. So for every degree of temperature that goes up outside, you've got like a 0.4% fewer people catch it. So as we get back to the summer again, um, and as we have more and more people who have either caught it or have gotten started with vaccinating or finished their vaccine, uh, I, I think it's going to really drop off. So I, I, I think, and I'm telling my people who work for me, people who I run into, I'm saying, look, if you can just hold out until the end of March, I think it's going to fall off dramatically. And we're going to be able to, we're still going to wear masks until the end of 2021, no question. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but in okay. terms of being able to be with people, in terms of being able to, to feel safe, going back to outdoor concerts, going back to things like that, I, I think it's going to look a lot more normal by April, into March. Okay. 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 Fair enough. Okay. Dr. Colbert. I'm an optimist as well. Um, I think that, again, we're in the 
um, mask up, back up, wash up, and um, if you, when you have access to the vaccine, to get the vaccine. Um, there's so many other variables that go into this, um, I, and I, 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 I don't like to give a date because I find that when as soon as a physician says, I think you guys will be good by Wednesday, there's someone in the crowd that goes, well, I don't have to worry about that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's always one person like, I'm good, I don't have to worry about that then because the person next to me to my right and my left will adhere to recommendations, and I don't have to because the doctor said he's going to. Everyone's going to be okay. Um, yes, everyone, please sit down. Please, please sit down and be safe. <laughs> sit down and be safe um, and wear your mask over your nose and get the vaccine, and we will mitigate these numbers. Um, I, I do. I think that as the year goes on, we'll see less and less, and we will see less and less if everyone is consistent, consistent. So consistently okay. wear your mask. If the opportunity presents for you to receive the vaccine, please get the vaccine, and please, 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 Talk to your physicians to gain more insight, and we will definitely turn this corner collectively. And I think toward the end of the year, we'll be at a significantly better place. Mm, okay, okay, great. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have heard the best panel of the year so far. First panel of the year, 2021, on the COVID 19. <laughs> and with the new strain, am I saying it right? Strained. Amy was saying, it's, you didn't say it right, yep. it's not sprained, but strained, okay, the new strain. And so there is nothing to fear, people. You have to just take precautions like like your physician have asked you to, like these physicians have asked you to, take precautions, even though it's something new that has developed, put your mask on. You're seeing people pulling off the mask. Here in Tennessee, they are pulling off the mask. They're, they're not wearing them, and so... Uh, you know, you can't expect any progress if you're not uh, willing to follow the guidelines yourself. So what we're going to do, we're going to go around the panel platform, and we're going to let everyone, um, let the listeners and the audience know how they can be able to follow them. If you have any upcoming community um, master classes that you're sharing in regards to the COVID-19, any publications that you have written that you would like to share, or any social media handles that you would like to share for them to follow you as to your research and your uh, your projects. You can do that at this time, and we're going to start with Dr. Swiner. All right, folks, so, yeah, uh, please follow me at Doc Swiner um, on Instagram, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well. Um, if you are in the North Carolina area and you want to learn more about being a part of some of these research trials going on, um, then you can also reach out to at Wake, like Wake Forest, Wake Research, um, to get more information on that. And, um, you know, you can always DM or shoot me a, an inbox message if you have any questions or follow-up concerns. Okay. Dr. Colbert? Um, as always, this is a, a great resource for so many people. Thank you for offering this and inviting me. This was personally one of the best panels I've ever been on. Thank you, Dr. Swiner. Thank you, Dr. Baxter, for being a part of this really yeah. good conversation. And I learned a whole lot from this, including the whole bra thing. That's, that was not that that's just one of the takeaways, but <laughs> Take home message. conversation. And um, it, it does. It, 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 it's, it's refreshing to, to have a conversation with other physicians and, and with everyone in medicine. 
affecting positive change. So thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, uh, Dr. Colbert. So it's drchris.er, D-R-C-H-R-A-S.er. That's my Instagram. You can see what goes on in Chicago, politics, not politics, but what goes on in Chicago within education and gives you a little insight of what we see here in the ED as well. Um, stay safe, stay informed, and wear your mask. Thank you. Okay, great. Okay, you're welcome, Dr. Uh, Baxter. I I think Dr. Colbert's uh, sign off was the most perfect one. So I, I don't I'm not cool enough to have an Instagram, but I <laughs> am at uh, and I rarely tweet, but when I do, I tweet at Amy Baxter MD. I have all of my videos talking about COVID updates are available at paincarelabs.com YouTube. And we have so much information for those who are afraid of needles, for those who faint, for those who have been traumatized by injections. Uh, There are a lot of simple, easy, free things you can do to make vaccination easier. So for anybody who's listening who isn't worried about safety, they just don't want everybody to see them pass out, please go to buzzyhelps.com or paincarelabs.com and and look for needle phobia. And those are resources that we're delighted to share. But I I agree with Dr. Colbert and I agree with Dr. Swiner, just everybody sit down, stay in timeout for three more months and (laughs) it's going to get better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So audience, we have had an impeccable uh, platform on today with um, and an awesome time on today with Dr. Colbert, um, he's from Chicago, and uh, Dr. Swiner, who is from uh, North Carolina, and from Dr. Baxter. And give me your state one more time, Dr. Baxter. In Georgia. I'm in Georgia. Woo-hoo. Okay. She's in Georgia. <laughs> and so you've learned all of the keys and the tools and the resources. There is no excuses. They are telling you one, two, three, put a circle around in the wall, Put your nose in it and sit down somewhere for about two or three months or three or four months. Sit down somewhere. That's what they're telling you. This is Dr. Covid is I think this is his fifth or sixth time. This is what he tells them all the time. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. And so we have to take precautions, people. We cannot we cannot be able to fix this if we're not doing anything to be able to rectify it on our end. And so we're going to continue to have these conversations. If something comes up with the new strain uh, next week, we're going to be <laughs> back on the podcast next week because we've got to get the information <laughs> to the audience so they can know. I mean, you know, they have to know this. So thank everyone for taking out your time from your, your busy schedules for being our guest on today. And perhaps you will be the next platform that I will call on. Uh, next week, if something happens, hopefully it won't, but I'm looking for something to come again around the 21st of the inauguration. I really am because of all of the chaos that's going on, and I think it's going to multiply. And so we have to be ready and have to be on guard for those types of things, too. So for all upcoming uh, shows and guests that will be on the show, listeners, you can go to our website at www.womenwhorockwithsuccess.com. Again, thank everyone for being on the show on today and have a great day. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Thank you.